On this episode of the Popcorn Diet, we're going to fly like an eagle and get tuned up for a rematch. That's right. We saw Space Jam, A New Legacy. Get your popcorn ready. What in the Matrix? Ah! I'm a cartoon? Ah! I'm shorter than Kevin Hart. Watch up, Doc. Welcome to Space Jam. What's happening? Yeah. Hi, look expensive. They're teaming up. This isn't regular basketball. Whoa. Haters gonna hate. For the biggest event of the summer. <laughs> Looks like Wiley's in the multiplier. <laughs> well, that happened. <laughs> Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie, theater, popcorn, and other delicious movie snacks. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy, and joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how are you doing today? Doing great. I am in the middle of a stretch of being solo dad with three boys that are all under the age of five. So, How's that? How's that going? You know, it's, it's something it's, uh, thankfully I am blessed with some, well, <laughs> I believe to be pretty well behaved. They're, they're crazy, but they're pretty well behaved boys. So, there you go. um, and we take them to daycare. So during the weekdays, it's, you know, life is pretty easy. I got to manage about five hours of them being awake in the morning yeah. and then at night feeding them, you know, those types of things, making sure they don't kill each other. Of course. But, uh, outside of that, um, but I got to see this movie space jam in the theaters with them. First time I took my second child, uh, okay. Jane, who is, just turned three back in June, first time to the movie theaters with him. And, We've been holding off because he's not as into sitting still and watching a movie like Cameron, his older brother, who Cam, I think we took before he even turned three to see like okay. Life of Pets 2 or something. But regardless, he survived. It was a little bit of a stretch given that this movie is almost two hours long. It's long. We, we, we enjoyed it. The whole, the whole fam, other than uh, the youngest, Aaron, went and saw it. So it was a good time. Nice. Nice. Good, man. Well, before we get into everything that there is to get into for Space Jam, A New Legacy, because sh shockingly, there's quite a bit. I wanted to use a, to use a, some basketball terminology. I wanted to run an ISO play for you because this is a rare moment where you have seen a movie before I have. And so I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about a movie that's available on Netflix right now, if I'm not mistaken, called Gunpowder yep. Milkshake. Absolutely. So so I'm going I'm to give you five minutes. We're going to we're going to we're going to I'm going to try and hold it, hold you pretty close to it. But we're going to run a five minute ISO play on Gunpowder Milkshake. Tell us what you thought, because you were hyped coming out. I, I did. I really enjoyed it. And I'm not selling it as the greatest movie ever. Uh, but it was a movie that I had very little expectations. I don't know. I think I had seen the trailer. I think you and I watched the trailer a little while back and I had seen the trailer, but I had seen very little. Saw a couple people tweeting about it this weekend about how much they enjoyed it. And I was like, wait a second. I remember that movie. And so last night after the kids went to bed, 
can't watch any of my TiVo shows because most of them I watch with the wife and she's out of town. So I need something to watch. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch this. So I started it at 10 o'clock at night and it's almost two hours. So finished right around midnight, but had no problem staying awake. Really enjoyed it. Um, it stars Karen Gillen. I think Karen Gillen. Yep. Gillen. Those of you, for me, I equate it to starring Nebula from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But she, it's basically like an Assassin's movie. Think of the same vein as almost like a John Wick to some degree. Okay. Um, except very heavy. It's, you know, pretty much all the leads are, are female. Um, so it's a little bit like a female version of the John Wick world that we lived in. But it's just a lot of fun. I, I'm a sucker for mixing brutal, violent action with, you know, some oldies and some good music. So there's a couple of those good scenes. Okay. Uh, it's directed by, I believe he's, is he a Israeli? Yeah. I am not even going to try to pronounce his name. All due respect and apologies. It's um, like Navat Papashato. Yeah. That Something along those lines. So apologize to him, but Shouts I think to Navat. I think he's mostly known for kind of action. Um, and obviously that comes out in this. Um, there's some, there's some baby driver vibes in it. There's some uh, John Wick vibes in it. There's some great brutal, if you're into like those brutal kills where like things that make you go, oh my gosh, you know, there's some, some great ones like that. And it creates this cool world that you get some pieces of. And I think for some people it's annoying when, you get injected into this world and you don't get a lot of info on it. Um, but for me, it wasn't distracting in any way. Like I liked a lot of the things that they did. There's this whole library concept of like this kind of like almost secret society, almost think of like, like this wanted. Is the, this is like the John Wick comparison where like you check into that hotel and it's kind okay. of neutral territory um, of people from sort of a lifestyle similar vibes to that to some degree but there's some fun stuff with like checking out library books actually being checking out weapons things like that um, there's some fun terminology there's a, a a little girl in it i'm trying to remember who she's played by um chloe coleman i don't know that she's been in anything else but um she's in it as this girl whose father is killed or in the movie Okay. Um, that's not that's not a big spoiler. It's in the Wikipedia description of her character, though. <laughs> so, but uh, she's in it and it's fun. Like they actually get to a point where they talk about not cursing in front of kids. And so they actually like ongoing replace like the F word with fudge and some other cuss words and that. So there's Which some is good... funny considering it's like hard R violence. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. So there's some there's some fun stuff like that within there. There's some good comedy. There's some good set. Some great. It looks beautiful. Um, definitely has some Tarantino vibes, which I know has been a comment around it. So, hey, it's a Netflix movie. It's something that you can go see for free. I don't know that it's even in theaters. I don't think uh, so. Paul Giamatti's in it. Uh, it's got a fantastic cast. You got outside of Karen Gillan and Paul Giamatti, you got Lena Headey. Um, for those of you, Cersei, uh, Cersei. Uh, Carla Gugino. Gugino. Yeah. Michelle Yeoh, Angela Bassett. So we've got some legit people in here. I had a lot of fun with it. I would be happy to get a sequel to it and explore this world a little bit more. 
But if you're looking for something, definitely not something to sit down with the kids if you've got younger kids and watch. <laughs> but uh, if you're if you don't have kids like Rick here or uh, or you're looking for something, I think there's a lot worse ways to spend two hours. But um, one of those movies that like kind of like when Atomic Bond came out, you just kind of really enjoy um, sure. not saying it's a perfect movie, but like you enjoyed your time for everything that it is and and nothing more than that. So. It was kind of that movie for me. So I, I enjoyed it. Highly recommend it if you like those types of movies. I like it. I like any good. I mean, there's just this own little subgenre now of secret society of assassins movies, which is really funny to me. Um, but I'm down for any secret society of assassins movies, especially when you got, you know, obviously you got a little girl power happening there. But you tell me there's a movie with Michelle Yeoh and Angela Bassett and Carla Gugino and Karen Gillan, who's like you said, when you, you told me, you said, Karen, you're, you're all in on Karen Gillan stock. You're selling, yeah, you're, I, you're selling your GameStop and buying Karen Gillan stock. Well, like I said, I, I, I thought she was fantastic in this movie from an action sense. Um, it, she basically plays her nebula character in a lot of ways without <laughs> okay. the whole she's half or 90% machine, but and she blue. plays like the similar attitude uh, and kind of how she carries her character interacts with people, little socially awkward type of type of dynamic to her. But I mean, the action is great and I don't know how much was her, how much was a stunt person, but like it's some intense, action and and she definitely holds her own i thought she did really well do you have a a, br a bridged popcorn rating for gunpowder milkshake for for us i think i'll go with solid movie theater popcorn okay yeah all right excellent i love it i'm gonna have to check it out uh weird again like i said weirdly this is this is a a chance where you've gotten in front of a movie before i have so it's true we wanted to make sure we recorded this episode otherwise i probably would have watched it but I'm going to check it out. Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix right now. David, let's get back to the real game. And let's talk about Space Jam and Space Jam, A New Legacy. Now, we did a podcast episode back at the start of the pandemic in last April. So not, not last April as in, you know, a few months ago. We're talking a year ago in April. We did an entire sports movie themed month to celebrate you know, the sports that we would normally be getting at the time, you know, baseball, basketball, uh, and Space Jam was one of the ones that we did. And so obviously Space Jam has a weird kind of nostalgic place in our generation as a movie that is not very good, but also very good, like very fun, very entertaining. It's known for a lot of things. It's known for its website, which I believe you can still find out there somewhere, even though they updated spacejam.com to the new movie, like you can still go find that original interactive website. So I feel like with anything like this, any movie that dares to have the subtitle, a new legacy, I think we got to explain. We got to we got to explore that a little. We got to talk about legacy and we got to talk about where we're coming from in the past. And so not to rehash that entire episode again, but what made you love the original? What are the things that that for you made that into 
you know, one of those nostalgic pantheon type movies, like not a great movie, but one that would, oh, Space Jam. Yeah. You know, it's it's what what did it for you? So I think it was a combo of a number of different things. And I know we did a full podcast at the start of the pandemic on Space Jam when we were going through sports movies. Uh, so you can definitely hear us talk in more detail there. But for me, I think it was kind of a perfect storm of things. One, the age that it hit us because it came out in what, 96? 90, yeah, something like that. I'm trying to remember the original Space Jam when it came out. Regardless, um, kind of hit us at a, a good sweet spot as far as timing of, of when the movie came out. I think it also yeah. had... I think it had a great soundtrack that was used well in it um, from the standpoint of it's one thing to have a good soundtrack, but it's another thing to use it really well throughout the movie. You know, you got the title theme, which is fantastic. Then you've got, um, you know, the Monstars song and some things like that. And people will debate me on whether it's a great soundtrack or not, but I'm calling it a great soundtrack. But I think it also has fantastic cameos you got wayne knight who's awesome in it you've got bill murray who's fantastic in it bill murray larry bird even the i mean they give the the they give charles barkley and uh mugsy bogues and you know patrick ewing larry johnson like they have legitimate things to do in that movie where they get to act like dum-dums well, and you get Danny DeVito voicing the the bad guy, which Swack you can never hammer. go wrong with. Nope. So, but it's also, I think, it's a very simple, straightforward movie, right? Like, it doesn't try to do much. Its budget was eighty million, made like two hundred and fifty, but like, it's it's very straightforward, right? And like, I think one of the other cool things about it is like the way that they approach doing it, it kind of fits into like the timeline we know with Michael Jordan, right? Like they, it starts when he's playing minor league baseball and not mm -hmm. being very good at it. And it's not afraid to kind of make fun of Michael Jordan. And, you know, in a way that I don't think was done a whole lot with professional athletes at the time, obviously we didn't have Twitter and social media where you were kind of open to the, the mob for critiques and that kind of stuff. But sure there wasn't a whole lot of this opportunity for like these incredible athletes to kind of be goofy and, and, you know, poke fun of themselves to some degree. And so we're seeing this other side of Michael Jordan and it also like fills in a timeline between when he played for the bulls, then went to the minors and then comes back like, right. it, you know, nicely fits into, he plays this game against the, against the Monstars and then decides to get back to playing basketball and he comes back and it just kind of perfectly fits in. And they really did a crazy, like uh, uh retconning of, cause I believe if I'm not mistaken and I, I correct me if I'm wrong here, cause you know more about professional basketball than I do, but like they also made it seem like the strike was because of the aliens stealing basketballs, like players' powers or something like that. Like, wasn't there a strike in there? Uh, there was. There was a strike season, um, and there it was. It wasn't a complete season, but uh, there was some things in there. But yeah, they do kind of have some fun with that kind of stuff as well. But um, yeah, I mean, there was two years that he missed. Right, he announced in '93 he was retiring. Yeah. 
There was a 90, a 95, 96 NBA lockout. So like, like you said, mm-hmm. it, it managed to fit in a time that was like, Oh, th- and like, that's really creative. It is for it to say like Michael Jordan's not playing basketball for two years. He's playing semi-professional ball. He gets kidnapped by the Looney Tunes, rediscovers his love of basketball, comes back and joins the NBA. Well, like the real story is like there was a three month, 95 NBA lockout. And they're like, oh, that's because players were losing their powers or what. Yeah, that's yeah. clever as hell. Yeah. And I think it's also like I said, it, it doesn't try to be too much. Like there's some creative things that are really fun in it. But like at the end of the day, it's very simple. Like they kidnap Michael Jordan. He plays a basketball against them with the Looney Tunes. And he comes back like it's not really trying to tell anything deeper. Like his kids are in it, not his actual kids. Funny enough, one of the kids is Eric Gordon, who's a professional basketball player now. Um, but it doesn't try to be anything more than that. Like his kids are in it. They love their dad. Mm -hmm. He seems like a good dad, but they're not trying to tell some like deeper father son story. Um, And it's just a purely fun popcorn flick. It's 88 minutes and it's super easy to rewatch. Like one of the more rewatchable sports movies, in my opinion, because I've watched it so many times with my kids, like you just fly through the movie there's a lot of fun moments in it that just keeps it moving and it's easy to watch and kind of move on. So obviously everything that we're going to talk about before the break is non-spoiler. So all of this is non-spoiler talk, but it is an interesting conversation to have particularly about Michael Jordan, because just there is this conversation in sports, in professional sports about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, right? And I think we can say without any spoilers that there isn't a single aspect of this movie that is better than the original. Like it is, it's deficient in almost every way. That's not to say that there isn't things that I enjoyed about it. Cause I did, I, I found myself surprisingly like having fun with it a couple of times. And I found it to not be like this, like, poison of all humanity that some people and some headlines like there was a headline that was like space jam a new legacy is a post-apocalyptic like wasteland of of material mm-hmm. and i was like all right well this is that that wasn't it to me but it's clearly deficient in every way and there is an interesting conversation to have about the way michael jordan did things and the way lebron's been doing things and even Kobe Bryant, you know, where like these guys are obviously business people. They're obviously public figures. Obviously, Michael Jordan made Space Jam as a business decision. Like, of course he did. But there was always something about guys like Michael Jordan. And I mentioned Kobe Bryant because he's one of the goats as well in terms of, you know, professional basketball. There was always this understanding that there was always just this vibe that all they cared about was being greater than the game or being great at the game, you know, being great on the court, putting your work on the court and whatever, you know, business came out of that, you know, whether it be, you know, Michael and Nike and Michael and all the commercials that he's in or Michael doing triple a ball or whatever, like they always came off as Michael's still this great competitor. Whereas with LeBron, 
everything he's done has seen at feels more calculated and more about his career and his image than being about being great at the game and winning, right? Like he's undoubtedly one of the best to ever play the game. Like that's not up for debate. He's one of the best to ever play the game. But when you look at all of the choices that he made, going all the way back to when him and his buddies picked which high school they were going to play for, and they picked St. Mary's or some like private, all, you know, private school to play for at the time, mm-hmm. all the way to the decision, you know, all the way to his other business ventures, to, to, to sports players having individual brand logos for themselves now. Cause the, his tune squad Jersey has the LeBron James logo on it too. Yep. Why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I think there's always going to be this, there's already this crazy amount of debate, right? Like, and I think it's somewhat unique to basketball because, you know, while people will always debate who's the greatest, what's who's the greatest team, all that kind of stuff. Like basketball is one of the ones where I think there's, a very large amount of people that are heated on both sides, which there wasn't for a long, well, I shouldn't say a long time because LeBron didn't come that long after Michael Jordan. But when Michael Jordan wrapped up his career, there wasn't really any debate of whether Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time. You know, hockey has Gretzky. That hasn't changed. You know, you had Sidney Crosby who came, but I don't think anybody's trying to debate that Sidney Crosby had a better career than Gretzky. Yeah. Um, and, you know, football, I think now has Brady, which football, it's funny enough with football, it's not usually debated who's the best football player of all time. It's just who's the best quarterback of all time. Right. Because you don't get a ton of debates around who's the best wide receiver, you know, that's or who's the best offensive lineman or, you know, things like that. It pretty much all just kind of aggregates to quarterback. And I think everybody's settled pretty much on Brady at this point. And baseball, you know, isn't really a sport where you have a a single goat, you know, from that standpoint, there's a lot of greats, but there's not a single. And so there's already been this rivalry and some of that's been projected by LeBron himself, you know, calling himself the greatest or saying that he should be considered in that. Um, And I think to your point, like, because LeBron came in a different kind of world, a whole lot more media and noise around it. Um, you know, he was a known entity from high school and on, he was, you know, this next great. And like, there was a lot of things that he did that seemed calculated. And uh, Michael, while he did other stuff, it didn't feel like everything was like meticulously put in place. It was kind of like, he was the greatest. A lot of people wanted a piece of him and he got involved in different things. Whereas like, LeBron seems to have his camp that's actively working to certain things like we're going to get an HBO show. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And mm-hmm. he's done a lot of good. Like his I promise school, I think is what it's called, is is really cool that he started back in, in Ohio. Absolutely. Um, and he's involved in a lot of cool stuff. But like a lot of it just feels like. He's trying to. Tell people he's the goat, whereas like Michael, I don't think ever felt like the need to say like I'm the goat and that even came off in this movie like kind of getting to the movie a little bit like yeah you felt like it was really heavy-handed and making sure it goes out of the way to talk about how great LeBron is like <laughs> Allie my wife when we walked out of it she was like 
I think LeBron was pretty heavy handed in making sure everybody knew how great he was. Like <laughs> there's just little references you and I were talking about earlier. Like there's the halftime speech when there's the whole Mike's secret stuff stuff yeah. in uh, yep. the original space jam, which is awesome. And he's just basically saying like, keep your heads up. We can do this. Like LeBron gives a similar speech, but it includes, I was down three, one to the Cavs or to the warriors. And I came back, like we can come back from this. And it's like, it's just those little things that are absolutely calculated by LeBron to inject in little pats on the back for himself. That to me being someone who I'm not anti LeBron, but he's not my favorite. Right. So these are, it's just a, another example of the things that just irritate me about him. <laughs> Well, and see, that's the thing, right, is I'm trying to I'm trying to because I, I don't really I'm pretty agnostic when it comes to LeBron as a as a basketball player. Like, I think I can. I mean, we pretty much talked about them in regards to basketball players and stuff. I never really cared all that much. Like, I don't think LeBron is greater than MJ. I think LeBron has been way more calculating in what he does. And that's maybe one of the weirdest things about this movie and why this movie feels so off is that it is self-referential without being self-aware you know like there are some legitimately like what i thought to be funny jokes about lebron jumping to a bunch of different teams um there's a good knicks joke in there. there's a couple really good basketball jokes in there and even his character he starts off the movie kind of like a really heavy-handed jerk especially as a father not to get too far into spoilers but I, I and like being all like rigid and stuff and, and being micromanaging. And even I thought that was like a really interesting kind of self-referential commentary on who people think he is. You know, he's the guy who gets coaches fired if they're not working for him hard enough or will get his buddies to join him on his team and basically has been his own coach, especially when he was in uh, Cleveland, like, was his own coach and GM and just could control the narrative and stuff like that. But there's just no self-awareness. Like it's not played for it, 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 I don't even know how to describe it. It's just so weird because, because you're right, because at the end when LeBron is giving speeches and stuff, he's all about pumping himself up. Like I've done this before we can do this. Like I've done this before we can do this. It's just weird. And the same goes for the movie itself. Like if you watch the trailer, the villain, quote unquote, of the movie is an artificial intelligence played by Don Cheadle, whose goal is to start this media empire by plugging LeBron James into all these franchises. And LeBron is like, nah, that's whack. And then that's what the whole movie is. <laughs> like, it's super weird for your villain to be like, I'm going to plug you in all these media franchises. And then they have the heroes go, no, I don't like that. And then for the movie to be that it's insane. And well, part of, part of me thinks it's because it was originally being written and directed by a guy named Terrence Nance, who is kind of known for his overthinking and like not overthinking, but like really kind of complex storytelling. He's done a ton of short films He's doing random acts of flyness uh, as, a, as a television show. And he wound up leaving because of creative differences. 
And it, it honestly feels like that was his original pitch. And then Warner Brothers was like, no, 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 no. We don't want to deconstruct that. We want to do that. Yep. It's weird. Well, and I think also further on that point is it tries to, you know, we talk, I, I emphasized how one of my favorite parts of the other one is of the original is that it's 88 minutes. This is just shy of two hours and it's a kid's very long. It's super long. And I respect it from the standpoint of it tries to do more than just be a basketball movie about like Michael Jordan playing aliens, right? Looney tunes. Like it tries to do more than that. Like, and even like, I think you, you may have seen some in the media, like LeBron talks about wanting to create a family film with a good message and things like that. So like, I can respect wanting to do more than just go out there and play in a basketball game. You know, it goes back to, you know, and they even put this in the credits or in the opening credits about like the more than athlete stuff and, and all of that. Like, I get it. Like you're more than a basketball player. That's important to you. You want to tell a message, but it gets so muddled by all the other noise. Like if you want to do that, then you kind of have to scale back some of the other stuff, but you go so heavy into like the technology and the video game world. And then the Warner brothers IP stuff that like, it's just kind of all over the place. And I know I'm borderlining on, on spoilers at this point, but it just feels like it's kind of muddled and like nothing comes off great in any of it. Yeah. Versus like, there's a lot of, I think, solid sound, great ideas in there, but the sum is definitely not equal to its parts at the end of the day. It's not, it's, it's not. And, and listen, like there are good things in this movie. There are a couple of jokes that, that landed for me, you know, that I had a good time with. There are a couple of bits and a couple of funny pieces that landed for me. Like I am a sucker for Looney Tune shenanigans. So cool. I'm into that. There are a couple of cameos that are phenomenal, that are just really, really good. Uh, and Don Cheadle seems to be having an absolute blast while collecting his check. So props to him because he's he's definitely, he kind of knows the movie that he's in. Um, but it's just not very good. Like, I like the last game. Like, once the game starts... And we're not trying to deal with like IP and throwing all this stuff in there. And the IP is regulated to just the, the, you know, the spectators. Okay, cool, man. Let's just play a weird Looney Tunes video game basketball game. But as far as everything else goes, it just doesn't connect. It just doesn't make sense. It's, it's not, it's not better acted. Um, the stuff that happens outside of the, of the, you know, tune world is not nearly as entertaining as it was in the original and and again like i'm it's hard to compare everything to the original but you i mean it's called the new legacy so you're 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 kind of challenged to do that you know Mm -hmm. um the plot is nonsense the original plot was was made a lot more sense because you know swack hammer comes in and is like I want to kidnap the Looney Tunes to put them on my theme park planet as slaves. 
And the Looney Tunes are like, no, 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 no. You got to play us in basketball. And they say basketball because the aliens are really small. But then the aliens go and steal basketball players DNA so that they become great basketball players. But then they miss Michael Jordan because Michael Jordan's retired. It's actually really smart in terms of plotting. And this movie is freaking dumb in terms of plotting because there is no legitimate reason why LeBron James should be recruiting the Looney Tunes to play basketball. I don't care if you played for Michael Jordan earlier, like it's, there's this whole sequence where, and again, they go through all the different IPs and stuff. And I'm just like, this is dumb. Like this is, this is doesn't, this is loosely really, really, we're really letting them get away with letting LeBron pick the Looney Tunes, which was a big fear of mine. And they kind of try to solve that problem and they don't. It's not successful to me. Um, I still didn't think it was the soulless nightmare that a lot of people made it out to be, but I can certainly see their their points of argument because there's literally, this is no spoilers. There's literally like some of the references are just like, oh, look, Harry Potter world. And then you hear the Harry Potter music for a few seconds. (laughs) And it's like, boy, you, you, I, (sighs) It's frustrating, but at yeah. the same time, I kind of had fun with it. So I don't know. Um, anyway, I do want to talk more about spoilers. Before we talk about spoilers, before we even think about spoilers, we got to give our popcorn ratings for Space Jam a new legacy. What's that noise? Popcorn. You're making popcorn? Uh-huh. I only eat popcorn at the Now, if you've never listened to the podcast before, we do our ratings a little bit differently. Instead of thumbs up or thumbs down, instead of one to five stars, we have a scale of popcorn ratings. Burnt popcorn means a movie is trash. Don't waste your time. It's worthless. Stale popcorn means a movie isn't great. Uh, In a pinch, if you absolutely had to, you can probably make it work. But otherwise, don't get your hopes up. Microwave popcorn means it's fine. You know, just like good microwave popcorn, for some people it could be really good. For other people it can be bad. For microwave popcorn, your mileage may vary. It is middle of the road. For movie theater popcorn, it is, hey, this movie's pretty good. You should take the time at some point to go see it in a movie theater. If you could do so safely, it's worth a couple of hours of your time to actually enjoy this movie and then perfect popcorn, which means get out there, see it in a movie theater as soon as possible. And if we are ever in between one of those at any point in time, we just throw a soda in there to mark the midway point. So David, we talked about this a little bit. What did you decide your popcorn rating is for space jam, a new legacy? So I'm going to cheat. I'm going to give two ratings for this. Okay. Okay. It's, it, there's going to be one that's graded on a curve. So okay. if you are an adult wanting to wonder whether you should watch Space Jam and there's no other motivation, I'm going to give it stale popcorn. So we're going to go two popcorns. And if you are a parent of a child like myself looking for a movie to take your kids to I'll give it microwave popcorn. It's, it's a three. My kids enjoyed it. They had a good time with it. It was a little long for my young or for the younger of the two, but my oldest enjoyed it. He had a good time. He, you know, was talking about it a little bit after. So from a, from what I would say, a four, almost five-year-olds grading curve, 
he'd probably call it microwave popcorn. Heck, he might even <laughs> give it movie theater popcorn. But it, it checked the boxes for him at least, and he enjoyed it. And you know, from that standpoint too, it's you know, it's clean. It's something that you can easily see with the family. There's not things that are necessarily questionable in there that you're going to worry about. So, if you're a family, I'll give it three, but I, I'll give it microwave. But uh, if you're if you're judging it as an individual adult going to see it, I got to give it stale popcorn. Right. That's the thing is there is a question of, you know, who is this movie for? Well, who is the audience? And the thing is, is we are, you know, we're children of the original Space Jam. We are people who love this franchise as children. And now we are, you know, fortunate. Some of us are fortunate enough to be able to reintroduce them to this franchise through through this film. But it is not a good movie. And at the risk of being that adult who poo-poos on kids' movies, I'm going to give it stale popcorn and a soda. Um, kids' movies don't have to be bad, you know, and being simple doesn't mean they have to be bad. Uh, you know, we didn't – did we do Luca? I don't think we reviewed Luca on this on the podcast. I, I'm not sure that we did or not. I can't remember. My memory is literally dog shit. But, like, Luca is a very simple movie that is very well made and very good. We did yeah, talk I, about it because you I, had. I, I would give Luca at worst movie theater popcorn. So right. it's not that we're against kids movies, animated movies or anything like that. We've done plenty of animated movies on this podcast and they've been great. This was not it. I pulled I pulled a quote. This is one of my favorite quotes. It's from a ringer article. It's from I can't remember. I should have I should get the um, the correct citation, but it's for the exit survey for Aladdin. And I'm just going to read this verbatim. It's it's give me a second here. But this is kind of like what this is all about. Probably should have said this before popcorn ratings, but who gives a crap? It's our podcast. So this is from the Aladdin exit survey on the ringer.com. This is one of my favorite replies of all time. Allow me to paint a picture. A guy in his early 30s walks into a playground. He does the monkey bars. He slides down the curvy slide. He sits in the sandbox and he plays with a truck. And then he walks over to the swings and has a seat next to a child who is having the time of her life. And then he asks himself, yeah, but what's the point? The live action remake of Aladdin, or in this case, Space Jam, A New Legacy, like a playground was made for kids. That's it. Uh, I knew I'd be doing this exit survey. So I looked around the theater during my screening. Not a single child was sitting in the theater with their arms crossed going, I'm not sure this works. The theater was full of kids that were smiling and singing and laughing as the mouse intended. And so perspective is always important when it comes to movies that are designed for kids. And I think that that maybe allows us to disregard some of like the general silliness of it all. But I do think that there's a point to be made outside of that about how IP is just thrown at people with no reference or no context, you know, the, a cameo it, it used to mean something, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like the way that, spoof movies turned into just a parade of references they weren't actually jokes like the naked gun they turned into movies like disaster movie and superhero movie where it's like oh look it's iron man oh he peed his pants that's the joke like it's more than that these things can be more than that so that is a really long-winded way of me saying it's getting stale popcorn and a soda but your kids will probably still like it so let's get ready to talk about spoilers. Let's get ready to talk about some of those cameos and some of those jokes. But before we do, we're going to take a quick little break. 
What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron-only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash thepopcorndiet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, David, we're back. Spoiler time. Um, so we were talking about cameos. One of the, you know, one of my cameos in like, you know, small roles, role players, things like that. I think one of my favorite parts of the original movie, we kind of talked about it at the at the beginning, was the fact that there was this whole plot in the outside world about Michael Jordan being miss, missing and Wayne Knight digging into a golf course and them trying to figure out why all of the NBA players were losing their powers. There's, the, the, the B plot in this movie is not nearly that good, is not that interesting at all. Um, the guy who plays Malik, Chris Davis plays Malik, LeBron's childhood friend, who's kind of like the Wayne Knight character. Man, mm. it's just, it's not good. It's not funny. It's not interesting of him trying to figure out where LeBron is. And like, I'm sorry, but you can't beat having Bill Murray in your movie. Bill Murray is responsible for like three of the best five jokes in that movie. Yep. And it was drastically missing here, right? Yeah, it was just... I think one of the biggest issues with this movie is it asks LeBron to do too much in this film. He's asked to act a lot. And and some of that's because they wanted to do more than just do a basketball movie, which I'll give them credit for. But at the same time, if you don't put the if you don't have someone to be able to carry that like one of the great parts about the original is they didn't ask michael jordan to do a whole lot like i i would be probably safe saying that i think like all things equal lebron is probably a better actor than michael sure just like overall like the original space jam set up michael jordan a whole lot better than this movie set up LeBron James. Like right. it didn't ask him to do too much. Like there was no big emotional scenes that we were trying to do. It let Michael Jordan basically stay in a very small <laughs> lane. His re- and he didn't have to vary too much. And his his reaction to oh, I think I turned my Siri on. Oops, hold on there. Uh, his reaction to seeing Bugs Bunny is just like. It's very understated from Michael Jordan. He's Bugs yeah. Bunny. What's going on here? Like it's not, and I th- I do think that LeBron is better acting against nothing than Michael Jordan is. Sure, but you're but like you were saying, like the beginning of this movie is all about like like LeBron trying to teach the fundamentals to his kids, and he's like, when you're on the basketball court, you're working. 
And I was just like, this sucks. Like, this is a weird way to start this movie. LeBron is a dad sucks. Let your kids have fun. Yeah. It felt well, very ham handed. Well, and then you've got, you know, one of the things that allows Michael Jordan to be very understated is the Looney Tunes are full on. Like you give them a lot of opportunity to be them. Yep. And like carry kind of that storyline. Like Michael Jordan is almost a supporting actor to Bugs Bunny in that movie in a lot of ways. And yeah, they leave the jokes to Bugs. They, they, they leave yeah. that stuff to Michael's Bugs and the, they let Jordan. Michael's, Michael's the straight man, right? In the, yeah. in the, in there. And Bugs is the guy bringing the color and the fun. Exactly. And this movie, it's like, they try to have LeBron do some of that. It, and it's just really uncomfortable at times. And then to your point, like the other thing that allows Michael to be the way he is, is that everything else is so great. Like Wayne Knight is fantastic. Bill Murray is fantastic yeah like the the bit parts they do with the nba players like putting on gas masks not wanting to change in the locker room like all these different things like talking trying to convince nba players that you know whatever happened to them happened in new york and it couldn't travel across to california like there's just lots of like really well done aspects of it and this movie just doesn't have that like Malik's kind of looking for him, but he never really gets even past like mm-hmm. the guardhouse before the wife finds him, and then they just go back in there, and then all of a sudden they're courtside. Like, there's not really anything more going on, and then you get the whole weird aspect of you know, Bugs basically manipulates LeBron to help him go get all the Looney Tunes back. David, this upset me. This upset me very much. This upset me so much. All the Looney Tunes were gone. And so Bugs just tried to convince LeBron to help him get a space shuttle, steal it from Marvin the Martian, and then go round up all these Looney Tunes that have apparently moved on to other IP in the Warner Brothers. They're just living in other IP, like, the 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 roadrunner and the coyote i think were in mad max yep and, and i'm trying to think gram- of the other ones grandma and speedy gonzalez were in the matrix that stat was the wildest shit it's <laughs> like um, what is happening uh lola bunny was in wonder woman <laughs> uh, and i'm trying to remember the other ones but regardless like it was this whole like getting the band back together moment that yeah. was a little too heavy handed on like the Warner Brothers IP. And then beyond that, like we also are like, we went back to LeBron's got to teach these people how to play basketball. But didn't we just do that? Like Bugs even says like, oh, I think we know something about that. Like, yeah, wink, wink. We were in Space Jam one. But then it's like, we're going to disregard we were in Space Jam 1 and we're going to have to teach them fundamentals again. We got to teach the fundamentals of basketball. Like, like. Also, does Space Jam 1 exist in, in this universe? I think it does. Right. Because the does, aliens because show he, up. He, yeah. Because he winks, winks at that like, oh, we know something about that. And then the the little aliens show up courtside along so, with everybody else who's been, ever been in a Warner Brothers 
show or movie. Let me tell you why I'm frustrated. All right. Number one, when I saw the trailer and it was like, I've kidnapped your son and I'm challenging you specifically LeBron James to a basketball game. He doesn't say like, you got to play with the Looney Tunes. He says, you just have to assemble a team. And so my initial thought was like, why in the hell would you ever pick the Looney Tunes when you have IP that's like King Kong, Superman, Batman, all those types of things? Like, why wouldn't you appeal to those guys? And to the movie's credit, like they say as much, I guess, because that's LeBron's list. LeBron makes a list of all. Okay, we're going to need Superman. We're going to need Batman. We're going to need King Kong on the on the wings. We're going to need Iron Giant. We're going to need all these guys. And then again, Bugs Bunny like proceeds to completely sabotage his attempts to get those things. But but here's another weird question, David. And again, this just has to do how much does this movie cost? This movie costs 150 million dollars. 150 million. 150 million dollars. And I couldn't get a live action Gal Gadot cameo. You can use the music over the animated version, but you can't give me Gal Gadot. You can't give me Henry Cavill. You can't give me one of the Batmans for $150 million. I got to watch all of the animated Justice Leagues, you know, for for $150 million. You can cleverly edit them into like, you know, Mad Max or the matrix and I'll credit where credits too. Like I was amused by those, but I was so annoyed when (laughs) we were seeing the cartoon versions of the justice league. And then we get the live action versions of various Batman villains in the crowd. And then we get the ready player one version of the iron giant, not the animated version that it's (laughs) known from. We're going to do the live action version. So you could have 2D animated the Iron Giant in there, but instead you pulled the Ready Player One Iron Giant. It's so annoying and it was so frustrating. And I was just like, none of this makes any sense. Well, and it just speaks to like how disjointed this movie was in a lot of ways. Like there was some good ideas in it, but like it just tries to do way too much. Like we don't get to the basketball game until the original space jam is over like (laughs) it's 88 minutes or more into the movie before we even get on the basketball court yeah and have the the final game and like that alone tells you a lot of of what you need to see from it and it's like again like i'll give points where points are deserved from the standpoint of like i'm fine with you trying to give deeper meaning but sure distracted so much with this whole like like if you didn't have this whole like buzz rounding up the crew manipulating into like getting them back like we didn't need an assemble the squad type of like you could have done that in a quick montage that took very little time and didn't have to be distracting with all this other you know ip like i don't know it was it was really weird. And then when we got to courtside, we upgrade or when we got to the court, we upgraded quote unquote the tunes, which was basically just turning them into looking real. And right. Now I don't animation. now I don't have an issue with that because kids like Toy Story was 25 years ago, 26 years ago. Like we gotta make the tunes, you know, al algae rhythm, which holy shit. 
but like <laughs> I get that. Oh, I'm going to live stream this so that everybody can watch it. I like that at least tracks as to why he would upgrade everybody, sure. you know, or like the games, like uh good friend of the podcast, Jeremy Nakano texted, uh, texted me and was like, this movie is atrocious. It doesn't represent video games properly at all, which mm-hmm. he, he w- would be an issue for him. He's a big video gamer. I didn't mind it so much. I actually liked the gimmicks of like getting extra points for style points and getting like all these boosts and stuff like that. But then they don't do it in the fourth quarter. Like literally eight foot tall freaking Don Cheadle climbs the ladder of all of his goon tunes teams and does this slam dunk and gets two points two for points. it. Yep, yep. So like, again, I know it's a kid's movie, man, but like, if you set the rules up, <laughs> why? And, and he says all the time, like, I've told you it's my game now. Why doesn't that slam dunk equal a thousand points? What are we talking about? What are we even doing here? Yeah. Shit like that was just driving me crazy. Now, again, I will say, like, I like Don Cheadle in this movie a lot. Like he got to stand in, in a green screen and wear cool outfits and just like ham it up. And I can't fault the guy for that at all especially when they got him doing like Bobby Knight impressions or like Belichick impressions. Like those were jokes that I appreciated as somebody who enjoys sports. I thought that was actually pretty funny. And um, I thought the Michael, the Michael Jordan cameo was actually kind of funny where they do. Oh, we got Michael Jordan, but it's Michael B Jordan who I still think might've been a better teammate to have. Like, again, you're playing with the Looney Tunes, LeBron, Maybe bring Michael B. Jordan, who is a legit, like, physical threat to be on your team. He would not be the worst recruit to make. Right. <laughs> I like that. I loved, I think my favorite part of the entire movie was Lil Ray Howry or Lil Rel Howry. Mm-hmm. Um, him and Ernie Johnson get pulled in as the commentators. And Lil Rel is just hilarious. Lil Rel's just like, are we dead? Are we in hell? Is this like. <laughs> he had some genuinely funny things that he was saying, which part of me just thinks like they just let him riff and let him do his thing. But like stuff like that is what made me not completely hate the movie. You know, like yeah. I just like that. But there were certain things where it's like $150 million and it's way more animated than the first movie was like, it's, they turn LeBron into cartoon and they never turned Michael into a cartoon. Why is LeBron a cartoon? If Michael never got to turn it, you know, those types of things. I, I, I don't know. It's, it, yeah, it, felt, it's always, it felt like ready player, like, Oh, ready player one made us $400 million. Like, let's just do it again, I guess. Yeah. But even then the IP, a lot of the IP that was in ready player one, like had purpose in certain ways, shapes and forms, you know, I don't know, Mm -hmm. but like the gremlins showed up in this and I was like, Oh, the gremlins. I wish they were in their own movie. I wish I wasn't just seeing the gremlins in space jam. I wish you'd make another gremlins movie for me. You know, it's, it's tough. It is what it is. No, I agree. And, you know, I think at the end of the day, it's hard to be too over the top critical of a kid's movie because, listen it's a kid's movie but i think like you said earlier like just because it's a kid's movie does not mean 
it has to be bad and has to be like this turned out. And that's, that's the disappointing part is there was so much potential um, that you could have gone and you just, it was just not handled very well. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I think kids will enjoy it just fine. I can't, I mean, it, it had a much better box office than I expected, but I would also attribute that a little bit to, we haven't really had a great like kids movie theater movie. Like um, this age type movie, like boss baby came out, but that's, this hits a little bit of a different. uh, Yeah. And I think, you know, this, yeah, I mean, this appeals to a a wider range to some degree. I think it does have a soft spot with a large generation of people that love the original movie, which I also think is why it's probably getting beat up so bad in the review in the fan reviews is because like, we all agree the original space jam isn't perfect, but it's like almost perfect in its own way. Yeah. And this movie isn't perfect in any way. No, no. (laughs) Like, I, I appreciate a lot of the things that it did, but it just didn't do anything well. Again, to, to wrap this up, to put a bow on the conversation, David, and to echo what you were saying, the original Space Jam is not a good movie, and Space Jam, A New Legacy, is deficient to that movie in every way. Mm-hmm. That's, just the, that's just the bare bones of it. You know, Is LeBron a better actor? Sure. But it's offset by the fact that he's trying to do too much with too little. You know, is the technology better and animation better? Sure, I guess. But again, to what point? Which takes me back to that quote, which is me looking around at the playground as an adult, just being like, what's the point? Can can I do a fun thing with you real quick and, and ask you whether you noticed these people in the movie before we wrap up? Oh, yeah. Well, we haven't even I mean, we got we got a little bit of time left, so we'll be fine. I uh, I didn't even we could write it. I mean, I don't have the time to write. No, no. I would love to see a screenshot high res breakdown of all of the characters that are like in the sidelines. I would love that. Well, that's that's what I was about to get at. So some easy ones. Pennywise. You saw Pennywise, right? All of them are discount. All of them are Dollar General versions. So I saw Dollar General Pennywise. Yes. Uh, the Droogs from Clockwork, Clockwork Orange, which we won't go into. Yep. Also, I don't know if you're going to say this or not. I haven't even shouted out the Rick and Morty cameo, which is <laughs> probably another one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yep. Uh, the Nun from The Devils. Which is insane. There's a lot of conversation on film Twitter about The Nun from The Devils being in this movie that yep. is actually incredibly nuanced. There's actually some really good takes on it. But the fact that The Nun... That was played by Vanessa Redgrave in The Devils, which I think was like banned by the Catholic Church, is insane. That's nuts. I didn't see, I don't remember seeing The Nun, but I'm sure I did. Um, you already said you saw Gremlins. Did you see Beetle- Beetlejuice? I did not see Beetlejuice. Apparently, was in there. Kind of Robocop. Didn't see Beetlejuice. Didn't see Robocop. Uh, Yogi Bear and Boo Boo. I saw Yogi Bear and Boo Boo and the Flintstones and all them. Uh, the uh, Scooby Doo and the rest of the crew. The Mystery Machine. Yep, I saw yep. that too. Yep. Uh, did you see uh, Hercules? I did not see Hercules. Frankenstein Jr. 
there's a I, let me counter that with there's a Frankenstein Jr. <laughs> Did you see Yakko, Wacko, and Dot? Nope, didn't see them either. I saw them. They were like sitting up on top of like the water tower, if I remember. That like makes sense. Normal. Um, did you see Tony Soprano? No, what? <laughs> did you see Gandalf, Frodo, and Gollum? I did see the Lord of the Rings guys. I saw okay. a lot of Batman villains. Uh, did I saw you both see... versions of the Penguin. I saw several Jokers. I saw a Catwoman. Did you see Lion O and Chitara from Thundercats? No, see, <laughs> I might actually have to rewatch this movie. Supposedly, Mama Fratelli from The Goonies is also in there. That's insane. I don't believe that. I need screen. Um, the thing is, is I need photographic proof. I need screenshots. <laughs> uh, Jim West from Wild Wild West is apparently in there. That make that I believe. I believe that. But not Will Smith. <laughs> No, all of them are. There's a there's a, a, a Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze in his bathrobe, who one thousand percent looks like the meme of like, I want Mr. Freeze. Mom says we have Mr. Freeze at home. That's the Mr. Freeze <laughs> that they have in this movie. It's well, nuts. and even even the uh, the Night King from uh, Game of Thrones is yep. is terrible. Like it's like a, someone's costume at Halloween type of. version there's an agent from the matrix did you see the mask i did see the mask again yep like there is not an insignificant part of me that was just like oh it's kind of cool that they got all these extras and put them in all this makeup and stuff like it's kind of cool that there's not only a danny devito version of the penguin but a burgess meredith version of the penguin there's flying monkeys there's i think like three versions of the joker like literally just looking at this screenshot right here at like off center people there. I see Lion-O. I see, uh, I don't know who that is. Like it's, I see the mystery machine and Scooby and all them guys. Like that's the kind of game I want to play. Like I want to do a where's Waldo in the background of these, of these <laughs> screenshots and see, see what I can find. But again, that's not the point of, that's not how films should work. No. So no. <laughs> I I mean, yeah, again, like the point is like to what end? Yep. <laughs> but imagine being the guy who's like, I played the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze in the sidelines of Space Jam. Like imagine being that guy. Yeah. Well, and then you got like all the like dollar store versions of the Matrix yep. agents yep. where it's like, <laughs> it just doesn't come off the way it should unless you get one of the actual actors who I, could, I was like is agents. that a, i was like is that men in black is men in black warner brothers no it's not yeah. men in black is universal studios so it wasn't a men in black it was the earpiece that made me realize that it was an agent it's just weird man i don't it's weird and it I, you know and i'm not so mad about you know, it just and we could keep talking about this i'm not so mad about them putting like r-rated characters in 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 the sidelines like a lot of people were making a big stink about like the clockwork orange guys being on the sidelines because those guys are horrible human beings they rape and they pillage and they pilfer and all that kind of thing but looney tunes has a history of referencing adult cinema in a way that that managed to to reach out to kids without them needing to fully know what it was like you can find old looney tunes cartoons like there's a casablanca riff that's called carrot blanca 
there's a riff on the exorcist that's called the duxorcist and like obviously those kids aren't gonna aren't gonna be watching the exorcist but there are just times when certain images or characters or pieces of storytelling exist in the common consciousness of society that makes those references work in a weird way and I'm not trying to overanalyze that here. I think some people are. I think there's a lot of people out there who are like, you know, them putting the nun in from the devils is completely inappropriate and blah, 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 blah. But also, like, there was a really interesting conversation about how, like, the filmmakers put that in there, potentially because it's a movie they love that hasn't been getting any type of recent love. And now we can say, like, oh, look, we put it in this movie and there wasn't really that big brouhaha about it. Now, can you please release a 4K edition of The Devils? Like, I don't know. I don't know. if I, Could, I, I don't know. <laughs> do you think, were you expecting at the end of the game or the end credits for a stinger advertising Warner Brothers' new streaming service? I, I can't say I was expecting anything. I don't want to say I was expecting could, anything. Could the final basketball game just be an advertisement for Warner Brothers streaming service. Without question. Like, absolutely. You don't even need to refilm it. You can just steal clips from Space Jam, A New Legacy, and whenever you're the, ready, Warner Brothers, to launch a streaming service, you can just use clips from this to announce it. I honestly wouldn't be entirely shocked if they, like, shot B-roll footage with all of these <laughs> actors and were just like... We're gonna we're and we're gonna cut a commercial around it. Yeah, like, I wouldn't be shocked one bit. But you know, they make a King Kong ain't got nothing on me joke, and King Kong goes ooh. So I I don't know. Maybe I should just eat a bullet now. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, with all that being said, let's shut this Warner Brothers universe down. But before we go, I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet sent to you just by hitting subscribe or hitting that follow button wherever you listen to podcasts. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with your other good movie buddies out there. Also, don't forget to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash The Popcorn Diet and consider giving a dollar to an independent film podcast at a time where film desperately needs your support. That's patreon.com slash the popcorn diet. Of course, we don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the popcorn diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet. Adios.